Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Let's get our Bibles. It would, I think, be appropriate tonight to do a patriotic message or a message that would hopefully touch hearts tonight and remind us of our freedom and our blessed freedom here. I want to point you to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11, reading down through verse 17. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against your soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors or as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Listen to this verse. As free and not using liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God, honoring all men, Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the King. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word today. I pray that you would help us, God, in this lesson tonight. God, glorify you first and foremost. And, oh, Lord, to thank you, God, for where we live and what we have. And, Lord, would you you send revival to America as a nation. We need it, Lord, so desperately in this hour. In Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to talk to you tonight about the fundamentals of freedom. The fundamentals of freedom. Margaret Thatcher made this astute observation about freedom when she said, I quote, I think we've been through a period where too many people have been given to understand that if they have a problem, it's the government's job to cope with it. I have a problem, I'll get a grant. I'm homeless, the government must house me. 
They're casting their problem on society. And as you know, there is no such thing as society. There are individual men and women that are families. And no government can do anything except through people. And people must look to themselves first. It is our duty to look after ourselves. Somebody say amen. She wanted to say, and then also to look after our neighbor. People have got the entitlements too much in mind without the obligations. Entitlements without the obligations. There is no such thing as entitlement unless someone has first met an obligation. There's a price to freedom. There is a responsibility that goes along with freedom that's what Peter's talking about. You, you may be free, but there's also a responsibility that goes with freedom. Most of us are familiar with that prologue to the Declaration of Independence that says, we hold these truths to be self-evident. They stand by themselves. That all men are created equal and empowered by their creator with certain inalienable rights that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What they're doing is they're acknowledging that rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness comes from God. Liberty comes from God. Life comes from God. Amen. It doesn't come from a human government. It comes from the Lord. Freedom, then, is an internal reality and not an external condition. Freedom. I'm so thankful for our country today. So uh, you may have heard some of these quotes. You may have heard some of these statements before. But I want to remind us about where we came from, where we were formed. Patrick Henry said, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not but religiousness, but Christianity. Not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We were at the beginning, first and foremost, a religious nation, but also we were a nation of gospel believers. George Washington, in his farewell address to the nation, said, Do not let anyone claim tribute of American patriotism if they even attempt to remove religion from politics. We've come a long way, haven't we? President Thomas Jefferson, in an address to the Danbury Baptist, said, The First Amendment has created a wall of separation between church and state, but that wall is a one-direction wall. It keeps the government from running the church, but it makes sure that Christians' principles will always stay in the government. Mm. John Adams said, We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Our Constitution was made, listen, for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to government of any other. It is 
based on moral and religious people. Amen. William Penn, who happened to be baptized in Jesus' name, said this, Right is right, even if everyone is against it. And wrong is wrong, even if everyone is for it. These are the the kinds of men that founded our nation. These are the kinds of principles that found in our nation. John Quincy Adams, who became later became president, said in 1821 about the Declaration of Independence, he said, quote, From the time of the Declaration of Independence, the American people was bound by the laws of God and the laws of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which they all acknowledge as the root of their conduct. We all came together to obey the word of God, unquote. That is the foundation of freedom in our country. After the Americans declared their independence, they didn't just send the message to King George and get a reply back and say, okay. No, they had to go to war. They had to fight for it. They gave their lives for it. 7,200 Americans were killed in battle during the war. 8,200 more were wounded. And 10,000 died from disease and exposure, which includes 3,000 that died at Valley Forge alone. More were in prison and died. Amen. And you look at the 56 men that signed the Declaration of Independence. Of the 56 men, five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the war. Another two sons were captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died with wounds of hardship, hardship of the war. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships sunk by the British Navy. He sold his home and property to pay the debts, and he died in poverty. The Battle of Yorktown, the British General Cornwallis had taken over Thomas Nelson's home for his headquarters. Nelson quietly ordered George Washington to open fire on his home. You know, today we are so blessed with such freedom and such wonderful liberties in this nation that I don't think sometimes we really remember the price that has been paid for this freedom. The price that was paid in not just the Revolutionary War and all the subsequent wars after that. Agree with them or disagree with them. With, with the idea of should we have gone to Vietnam, should we not? Should we have gone to Korea, should we not? Should we have gone to Afghanistan or should we not? But it is the brave men and women that have given the ultimate sacrifice so that I could stand here and preach freely about uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I thank God that on Saturday we're going to acknowledge them and honor them. But I think we ought to honor them in our mind and remember there could be no freedom if there was no fight for that freedom. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying their 13 children fled for their lives his fields were destroyed for over a year he lived in the forest 
and in caves, returning only to find his wife had died and his children had vanished. A few weeks later, he died from sheer exhaustion. You see, our founders had a vision of America, and they worked hard to create a system of government that would give them this freedom. What emerged in the Constitution was a, a system of checks and balances. Undergirding that system was a formula that scholar, Bible scholar Oz Guinness writes about in his book, A Free People's Suicide, describes what is known as the golden triangle of freedom. And this is the foundation I want to bring to you tonight. Freedom in this triangle requires virtue, and virtue requires faith, and faith requires freedom. It is a continuation of thought that undergirded the constitution of our nation. First of all, they believed that freedom required virtue. Liberty and freedom does not just happen, but it needs people, people that have character, people that have morals, people that have virtue. The freedom that was proposed by the founders was not based on laws and regulations alone, but rather freedom that was based upon people of character. I thank God that, that there has been times in our life, and, and, and by, by and large, we live in a wonderful town where, where people are good people, but, but there, our nation was founded on leave, leave your doors open. Because the neighbor's not coming to steal your stuff. It was founded on, on virtue. It was founded on character. Men of character were sought out to be leaders. Freedom requires virtue. Without virtuous leaders and virtuous citizens, there is no reason to have laws to follow. The republic has an an interest in the virtue of its people as much as the people have an interest in the character of its leaders. We cannot bellyache about politicians who have no character and not consider the fact that we have a citizenry that has uprooted itself from morality. Paul, or Peter wrote, he said, abstain from fleshly lust. What is he saying? You need to have virtue. That abstain from these things. Have your conversation honest among the Gentiles. If you're going to live in this nation, then, then be honest about your work. Be honest about your life and, and have your conversation honest before this world. And, and it's very important that we understand that there can be no freedom without virtue, without trust, without having character. Then the second side of that uh, golden triangle, as Os Guinness presents, is uh, virtue requires faith. Virtue requires faith. Virtue, values, and characters, and morals have to be planted in something. It has to be. You see, the, the, the agnostic and the atheist and the unbeliever has nothing to plant their morals in other than their own thinking and their own mind. And their own feelings. 
So it can change. That's why morals can change. If my feelings change, then my morals can change. I can go from being an anti-abortion person to a pro-abortion because my feelings change. Or I can go from being a believer that marriage is just a man and a woman to believing that it could be anything because it's not planted in anything. But we understand that freedom has to have virtue and virtue has to have faith. This is where we get the fundamentals and foundation of freedom. Faith cannot exist, or freedom cannot exist without virtue, and virtue cannot exist without faith. You know, our founding fathers, we talk about them a lot, but there were those that were not Christians. There were those that were not Christians that signed the Declaration of the Independence Matter of fact, of them, uh, there were those that had little affinity for Orthodox Christianity. One of them was Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin, it is made very clear in history that he never became a Christian. Ben Franklin never became a Christian. He was rather known for his, his wicked ways. He was a womanizer. And he was known for not being a Christian. But this is what he stated that Ben Franklin stated, he said, quote, as to Jesus of Nazareth, my opinion, I think the system of morals and his religion, as he left them to us, be, is the best the world has ever seen or likely will see. A man that did not claim Christianity understood that there's there's something important about this gospel of Jesus Christ that brings virtue and faith. It was Franklin, ironically, who initiated a prayer meeting in a crisis moment of the Constitutional Convention. It was Franklin who saw the immersed culture value of the work of his friend and renowned evangelist George Whitfield, and it touched him, though it didn't change him, but it was somebody that wasn't even a believer that was a part of our founding fathers that said, what we need here is a prayer meeting. Would to God that somewhere in Congress today there would be somebody that says, I don't believe this necessarily, but we need a prayer meeting. Somebody that will say, I believe this, but what we need is a prayer meeting. Thomas Jefferson was an alleged deist. And he stated this, the Christian religion is the best religion that has ever been given to man. Many today think and say that Thomas Jefferson was a secularist. <clears throat> they clearly, that, 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 that he clearly believed in God but had a, a different take on it than Christianity. Jefferson as a statement, statesman and as a president was clear that without faith, there is very little reason to have virtue. Without faith. Without faith. So freedom is very important that we understand that freedom requires virtue, and virtue requires faith, and faith requires freedom. Freedom to have faith in America is voluntary. You don't have to belong to a church to be a member of America, to be a, a citizen of America. We could choose to believe or not believe here in America. That's the 
the freedom that we have. We have the ability to exercise our faith without coercion, without being told to participate. The founders saw the need for leaders and citizens to be of high character, so they said we need everyone to be able to operate in their faith. Someone put it like this. He said, religious freedom is not merely the right to attend church and practice your religion within the walls of your church, your synagogue, or your mosque. Rather, it is the ability to live out your faith included in the public square. We're living in a day where they want to say, just practice it in your home, practice it in your church, don't practice it out. But our founding fathers understood we need virtue, and we can't have virtue without faith, and we can't have freedom without these things working together. It is not lost it is not lost on those that read and understand the Constitution that the very first amendment, the very first amendment has to deal with the freedom of faith. Thank God today we have the freedom to do what we can do right here. I will tell you there are people that would be clamoring to get into this building right now if all of a sudden that there was no way to have church ever again. Amen. But I believe and I thank God for the freedom to worship. You can choose to worship or not worship. Amen. But I choose to worship. I choose to have faith. Freedom. Thank God for faith that requires us, that freedom requires us to have faith. We need that faith. We have freedom to vote. Somebody say we have the freedom to vote. So go vote. Go vote. Amen. Can I just, I'm just talking right now. If you don't vote, don't complain. Can I get an amen to that? If you don't vote, don't complain. We have freedom. Freedom to vote. To exercise our power at the polls. We have freedom to speak our minds. And trigger a bunch of people that get aggravated at us. But we have the freedom to express our thoughts. We have freedom to express it to the legislator as well as to our families. and our, Everybody's got the right to express their freedom of speech. We have also the freedom to shoulder responsibility. We have freedom to contribute to worthy causes. We have freedom to, to follow the laws of the land, pay our taxes. Can I get an amen on that? How about an old me? Freedom requires virtue. Virtue requires faith. And faith requires freedom. These are the fundamentals of freedom today. Freedom comes from God, that is so clear. But I can't use it as a license to do what I want in a land that I live. I need to pray for my president. I need to pray for my leaders. I need to pray and honor those that are in government. That's hard sometimes when you disagree. If you ever are looking for a good book to read, let me recommend The Burden of Freedom by Dr. Miles Monroe. He made this powerful observation about freedom. He said, we must learn that freedom is not the absence of law, work, or labor, but the embracing of responsibility. 
We must be awakened to the reality that true freedom imposes more laws than slavery. Demands more work than slavery. And demands more self-control and discipline than slavery. The foundation of true freedom is management, self-management, <clears throat> and of our environment and of ourself. This is the first and ultimate purpose of God for mankind. In slavery, you do not manage. You are managed. Therefore, freedom is a return to the responsibility of stewardship. He went on to say, in freedom, everything you do affects someone else. If you neglect what you're supposed to do in your ministry, in your commitment, and in your promise to others, or in your business, it is no longer a personal thing. You can't just say, I'm not showing up tonight. In freedom, when you don't show up, somebody suffers. True freedom doesn't presume the right to act without the regard to the effect uh, of personal decisions would have on another and their freedom. True freedom protects the freedom of others and acts responsibly on behalf of others. That is what Peter is saying when he says, don't commit fornication. Honor kings. Have freedom, but don't use it as a license on others. You see, your freedom of speech should also be peppered with the a realization that I should not be offensive, that I should not be ugly, that I should not be mean, amen, because that violates another moral and virtue of God. I need to make sure that, I, that my speech is, is seasoned with mercy and grace, hallelujah. But our freedom, the point I want to leave you with today is that our freedom has fundamentals, that without it, we have no freedom, Without character and virtue, there can be no freedom. Without faith, there can be no freedom. Y'all can come to the worship. The praise team can come. Let me give you a couple scriptures in closing. Praise God. In Galatians chapter 5, I love my grandkids. Amen. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Let me read it like this. You have been called to freedom, but don't use freedom for an occasion to the flesh, but lovingly serve one another. Paul began that chapter in Galatians 5, in verse 1, with this statement. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I am so thankful for our freedom today. It comes from God. Can you thank the Lord? Stand to your feet and let's just thank the Lord for freedom for a few minutes here. Can you thank Him that for freedom that comes from Him? It does not come from an act of Congress. It comes from Him. But also that same freedom requires that I have virtue, 
that I live holy, that I live right, that I honor the king and I honor the, the governors and I honor those that are before me. So, so I've got to make sure that I'm responsible with my liberty. I'm responsible in my freedom today. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, and I am asking God, first of all, have mercy on our country. Lord, because we have so many that have turned to wicked ways. Lord, that they have called evil good and good evil. Lord, and confusion abounds. Lord, I pray, dear Lord, Father, right now that we would cherish the liberties that we have and serve you, Lord, expressly and serve you continually, Lord. And thank you every day for the liberty and the freedom, not only to live, but to be born again. To be born again. I thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.